through the hallways of academia and on the face of the moon the footprints of conquest haven't left us any room to say Greetings and welcome to the 25th edition podcast of Women's Liberation Radio News. The team at WLRN produces a monthly radio broadcast to break the sound barrier women are blocked by under the status quo rule of men. This blocking of women's discourse we see in all sectors of society, be they conservative, liberal, mainstream, progressive or radical. The thread that runs through all of American politics except for separatist feminism is male dominance and entitlement in all spheres. This is Maya, the newest and youngest member of the WLRN team. I recently graduated from an all-girls school in India where I live and work from. I am excited to report on women's news and learn more about feminist politics. May is here and that means summer is right around the corner. This month, WLRN brings you all the info we could gather on women's events in the U.S. and around the world. Thistle speaks with Resin Revel, founder of the annual lesbian film festival Cinema Sisters in Paducah, Kentucky, the only film festival of its kind in America, now in its third year. We'll also hear from Dawn Smith, founder of Michigan Family Reunion, a festival that honors the spirit of Mitch Fest in the woods of Michigan every August. In addition, stay tuned for the wise words of Chris Kozad, one of the founders and visionaries for the Ohio Lesbian Festival. We hope this program helps you to make your summer plans and that all of our WLRN listeners have a wonderful 2018 festival season. And now, here are the WLRN headlines for this Thursday, May 3rd, 2018, as prepared and read by yours truly. On April 12th, Tara Wolf, a trans-identified male, stood trial for assaulting 60-year-old feminist activist Maria McLachlan. Maria was amongst a group of feminists who had gathered last year at Hyde Park in London to attend a meeting called Let's Talk About Gender, where they were to discuss gender identity legislation and sex-based rights. The gathering of women was greeted by hooded activists, and Maria was struck three times by Wolf who claimed to have done so in self-defense on seeing a camera in Maria's hand. During the trial, the judge asked Maria to refer to her male assaulter with female pronouns. Wolf was finally found guilty of assault and charged a fine of £430. Thousands took to the streets of Pamplona, Spain on the 28th of April to protest the acquittal of five men who had gang-raped a woman at the San Fermin Festival in July 2016. Sexual assault laws in Spain include both rape and sexual abuse, where the former is differentiated from the latter by evidence of violence and intimidation. The five rapists took a video of their crime and bragged about it on a WhatsApp group chat where they called themselves La Manada or the Pack in English. In spite of this, they were found guilty of only sexual abuse and not rape. 
and sentenced to a mere nine years in prison. This was because there was no sign of physical struggle by the victim and the rape in itself was not seen as violence. The incident raised questions about sexual assault laws in Spain, which failed to recognize that women often may not be capable of putting up a physical struggle against their rapists or may freeze to avoid being killed. On the 19th of April, radical feminist and reporter Julie Bindel was to attend a meeting in Bristol to discuss the Gender Recognition Act and its impacts on the rights of women and children. However, on the way to the venue, she, along with another speaker, was surrounded by a group of masked trans activists who prevented them from going inside. In a video she posted later in the week, they are seen to be physically blocking the stairwell and attempting to intimidate her and shoving her phone. The organizers who were at the venue were blocked from coming down the stairwell as well. On the 23rd of April, Alex Minasian, a 25-year-old man, killed 10 people in Toronto in a van attack. He called himself an incel or involuntary celibate and was part of an online community of misogynists and men's rights activists who are known to feel entitled to women's bodies and promote violence against women. Other men from the community include Elliot Roger, who murdered six people in a mass shooting in California in 2014, whom Alex also pledged his allegiance to. The incident has not only revealed the extreme nature of online men's rights activism, but has also started a much-needed discussion about the connection between misogyny and male violence. Earlier this week, the San Francisco Public Library unveiled an exhibit that explicitly promoted violence against women. Among the items featured were blood-stained t-shirts and installations of weapons covered in barbed wires and axes. Slogans featured were, I punch turfs and die cis come. The exhibition was created by the Degenerates, led by Scout Ran Caffey, founder of a group called Trans Dykes, the anti-lesbian Antifa. Following heavy criticism from feminists and a half-hearted reactionary move, the museum took down the t-shirts. However, the Axis, baseball bats, barbed wire and violently misogynist slogans remain on display. Earlier this month, a minor girl attempted suicide in front of the office of the Chief Minister of Uttar Pradesh in India, accusing him of shielding her rapist. It was soon revealed that her rapist was Kuldeep Singh, a member of the Legislative Assembly from Bharatiya Janta Party or BJP, the party that is currently in power. The girl who was raped was not only a minor but also belonged to a lower caste community and hate crimes against this community have been on the rise since the BJP came to power. The police refused to file a complaint against the rapist and had arrested the victim's father based on a complaint by the rapist's associates. While in custody, the victim's father was tortured and murdered by these associates. Meanwhile, in Kashmir, an 8-year-old girl belonging to a Muslim nomadic tribe was gang-raped and murdered by 8 men in a deliberate and planned attempt to drive away the minority community that she belonged to. Among the accused were government officials and police personnel. The victim was kidnapped, sedated, battered and then raped inside a temple and the police who were bribed helped the rapists to cover up the crime. Her body was found in a nearby forest seven days later. However, the victim was a Muslim, so after the crime was discovered, Hindu nationalists and politicians across parties created an outfit called the Hindu Ekta Manj in support of the accused. Faced by public outrage after these crimes, in a reactionary move, 
The government of India on the 21st of April approved the death penalty for people convicted of raping children below 12 years of age. However, feminist activists and lawyers have pointed out that this law will be extremely dangerous for victims of rape. Statistics show that a majority of rapists of minor girls are their family members or men that they know. The death penalty will not only make it difficult to report these crimes but will also fail to deter rapists since no measures have been taken to increase conviction rates which at present are very low. It has also been pointed out that the death penalty is not a deterrent but an incentive to murder the victim in cases of rape. Johnson with her song August Moon. Our first interview today is with Dawn Smith. Dawn is the founder of Michigan Family Reunion, a women's gathering that happens in the glorious woods of Michigan every August to fill the void and continue the magic. Family Reunion has happened nearly every year since Michigan Women's Music Festival closed its gates in 2015. Can you introduce yourself and also, just talk a little bit about what inspired you to create the Family Reunion. Um, my name is Dawn Smith. I've been running a lesbian social group, me and my partner, for the last almost six years here in Lansing, Michigan. Hashtag lesbians love Lansing. Um, and I've been trying to go to Mishfest for years and years, but I was a single mom and had lots of kids and couldn't afford it. Um, but I made it there in 2015. And when Lisa Vogel made the decision um, to retire, um, rightfully so, after 40 years, 
we just know that um, there were some sisters in our community that were really, really going to be feeling that void. So our group had talked about having something to fill that blank in 2016. And um, my partner and I, Monica Murray, went up to an Ani DeFranco concert. And while we were in the concert, like inspired by all this woman energy, we started dreaming and scheming, and we came up with this whole idea of having a family reunion. And we chose to call it a family reunion, friends and friends that you choose to have as your family, just because so many of us have found our family, our true family, among this tribe, among the women that we go to festival with, our women groups, we found our, our family. And so we wanted to kind of bring together the lovely group that we run in Lansing, with the Festy sisters and just kind of maybe get these two together and unite them and, and show women that hadn't had the festival experience what that actually looks like. So we decided to have it a one-day event in 2016 just as a let's fill in the blanks because festival's not here, but we need to come together with our tribe. We had 500 women there in 2016. It was basically in my backyard, me and my mom's backyard. And somebody gave me a microphone at 2016, and I said, hey, come back in 17. We're going to do it for a whole weekend. So I don't get to have microphones anymore because I make outlandish promises. That <laughs> <laughs> so we've got to follow through on. So we, um, in 17, we, we did transition into a three-day weekend event. We changed our location to uh, Grand Rapids, Michigan, to this um, uh, local lesbian from Lansing Lesbians, um, donated the use of her family tree farm. So it's been a tree farm since 1969, and she said, you can use this 80 acres as long as we're friends. So we just started creating something last year. We, we cut a lot of trees. We cleared a lot of space. Um, we, we created the whole space, basically. It was just a bunch of brush and trees, and we cleared it all and found our stage and found our marketplace and, and built great showers and, and tried to make it into something that something that would hold the space and hold the energy for the women so we could come together and be safe for another weekend. Um, and with outdoor, outdoor hot showers, just like at... Yes! Uh, oh, so. my gosh, the showers. I, I don't know if you've had a chance to take a shower in those showers, but um, Monica Murray is a genius, and the showers were amazing. I told her what I wanted. I was like, I just want this experience. When when I went to Mishmash, I was really, really nervous about showering in, in the showers. And then by the end of that week, I was like, this is powerful and this is great energy and I love it and I want to recreate this. So, you know, we talked about having shower trailers and everything. I was like, no, no, I want this. And that's what we made happen. So it was wonderful. Yeah, and the water pressure and the temperature was just perfect. It was so lovely to gather with women in the showers, outside, in the woods, um, and yeah. I mean, tradition. So some of the things that you do at Family Reunion were inspired by Mishfest, um, but some of them are, are Family Reunion traditions that are emerging. I'm, I'm thinking particularly of the tug of war last year. Can you talk a little bit about that? I had never seen it that particular activity at Mishfest? Well, no. I, I mean, they had other activities. They had, like, football and stuff like that. And Ohio had the arm wrestling. And we're like, you know, we want to have something that's special to MFR. And 
So I was like, let's just have a tug of war, and we're going to make it like a best femme thing, you know, and we're going <laughs> to just try to capture that energy, you know. So, you know, the femmes got all dressed up, you know. I mean, I had a boot, uh, a bustier on, but I also had my work boots because we were still working and we had to dig in. But um, just try to, you know, highlight, you know, and honor those things. You know, there's a Bush Femme Parade at different festivals, and so we wanted to capture that energy, but we also wanted to show how strong we are, not just mentally, but physically. And, oh, my gosh, how fun was that? That was amazing. It really was. It was like nothing I had ever experienced. Because, you know, at Mishfest, there was the, the Butch Femme Parade, but never, you know, like a competitive sport that I that I saw um like that and and it was just a hoot women were laughing and having so much fun and really digging in and getting into the physical nature of it and I that was a highlight for me definitely last year are you so are you oh, going to the tug of war again this year we are going to do the tug of war again yes mm-hmm. um yep we're going to be doing that Saturday um I, it was so much fun that, you know, Karen Williams had been emptying from the stage, and then when we transitioned up to the top of the hill for um, the Tug of War, Mimi took over for emptying, but Karen saw how much fun it was. She jumped in, and then Mimi and Karen had a Tug of War, and it, it was it was a riot. It was so much fun. So much, like, energy, like, everybody swarmed the hill. Yeah. And so definitely, we're doing it again. Oh, great. So how many women went last year? It was about 800. Mm-hmm. And do you, how yeah. many are you expecting this year? Well, we're trapping it as 1,000, so we're hoping to hit 1,000. I, I really have no idea. There's a lot of other events going on this summer, actually. Other women have stepped up and taken an acorn and they're creating stuff. And so we're hoping that, you know, the women will continue to come to MFR. Um, we feel like we have a pretty fabulous lineup and um, the space is going to, we're not doing a lot of changes on the space because we did so much work last year. We're just going to try to make it better. So um, we're hoping for eight, eight to eight hundred to a thousand this year. Right, but you're capping it at one thousand. So at some point, you may have to turn women away. At some point, we might have to do that. Yes. Um, okay. Which is not something we want to do, but it's also important that you know we don't. This space isn't as big as 600 acres. It's, it's 80 acres. And if it can comfortably fit that, um, we don't want to have too many people there. So it is going to be, you know, exclusive. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's such a wonderful festival. Thank you for your work. Is there anything else you would like to say to our WLRM listeners who are largely radical feminists and lesbians? Um, come on out, join it. If you've never been to a women's festival, please come to MFR. See what it, it feels like, what it tastes like. We're going to have great performers. We're going to have food trucks. We're going to have vendors. We're going to have shopping. Um, and the other thing is, because because we're a newer festival, and, you know, for Mishfest, that, you know, there was a lot of halfway parties where fundraisers were done, and then there was so much fundraising for the land that, it's, it's been a little bit of a struggle to make this financially accessible to all women. Um, so while we're not a nonprofit yet, um, we would appreciate donations if you have them, just, and, and not for our pockets, but so that other women that can't afford it can come. Um, if you want, or if you have more questions, go to the website, which is michiganfamilyreunion.com. 
So speak out, speak over, speak under, speak through the noise. Speak loud so I can hear you. I want to know you. I want to hear your real voice. I want to hear your real voice. Your real voice. Your real voice. Your real voice. And now we present to you a rundown of some women's gatherings happening between now and September. Before we get into it, a big shout out to our sisters at LC Publishing. Lesbian Connection diligently provides their subscribers with the information they need to gather with their sisters, not just in summer, but all year long. Now, without further ado, here are women's happenings to watch for in May. P-Town Single Women's Weekend in Provincetown, Massachusetts, from May 17th to May 20th. For lesbians from all over who are looking for love, friendship, and networking, weekend events include speed dating, dance parties, mixers, a dune tour, spin the bottle, and other events to get you circulating. Visit ptownevents.com for more info. The Reformed Congregation of the Goddess International Priestess Gathering in Wisconsin Dells, Wisconsin, from May 18th to May 20th. Gather with other goddess women to create ritual, sing, drum, celebrate, and share. Join women from around the world for a weekend of stimulating discussion, workshops, self-discovery, and sacred celebration. Witness your sisters being ordained and help manifest the magic. Classes, discussions, and activities will be held on divination, drumming, goddesses, magic, community, crafts, and other topics of interest. The gathering is held on 400 wooded acres. Visit rcgi.org for more information and to register. Three events to tell you about for Memorial Day weekend. The Virginia Women's Music Festival, happening in Kent's Store, Virginia, from May 25th to May 28th. 96 acres of wooded, members-only private campground for women. Camp Out is home to the Virginia Women's Music Festival. This year's lineup includes Chris Matthews, Christine Havrilla, Kristen Ford, Indigo Femme, Sonia Disappear Fear, and more. Actualize an intentional lesbian gathering, happening in California from May 25th to May 27th. This gathering was created to combat the isolation that is often a part of lesbian reality. It exists to not only bring lesbian women together, but to also support lesbian artists and celebrate lesbian achievements. There are performances, workshops, games, and more. This invite-only lesbian event creates the space we need to freely connect with each other. Visit lesbiansovereverything.com actualize an intentional lesbian gathering for a glimpse into the event. Cinema Sisters Film Festival in Paducah, Kentucky, from May 25th to May 27th. The only lesbian film festival in the U.S., Cinema Sisters is in its third year of providing women filmmakers a venue for their work. Lesbians have been an acutely underrepresented voice in the film industry. The mission of this festival is to strengthen and connect this diverse community of women. In addition to film screenings, the festival will include a filmmaking workshop, art exhibitions, spoken word performance, a dance party, and more. Where Women Gather, held in northeastern Pennsylvania from May 31st to June 3rd. Where Women Gather is a women's spirituality festival dedicated to sacred separatist space and connecting with the goddess and all women. This year's event honors the crone, the west, and the water. There will be a sacred fire to burn throughout the entirety of the festival. Councils centered on each phase of the triple goddess archetype, that is the maiden, the mother, and the crone. A Lakota Inipi sweat lodge ceremony led by a mother and daughter of the Standing Rock tribe in North Dakota. 
a girl space for young attendees with age-appropriate activities, open art and music spaces, workshops, drum and singing circles, rituals, a marketplace, and more. Where Women Gather is held in an undisclosed location and usually sees several hundred attendees. Visit wherewomengather.com to register and subscribe to their mailing list. That's women with a Y. In June, two events to mention for you, June 1st through June 3rd, Go Girl Saugatuck, a women's weekend of partying at the Dunes Resort in Saugatuck, Michigan, produced by Mimi Gonzalez. Workshops, pool games, an open mic, DJs, a comedy show, and a main event music show will highlight the nights. Camping is available nearby if so desired. Check out gogirlsaugatuck.com for all the action. The Midwest Women's Herbal Conference held in Amund, Wisconsin. This event is feminine-focused and chock-full of plant wisdom. Join us for a gathering of the feminine, a wide spectrum of internationally acclaimed herbalists and earth-based speakers, plant walks, topics including herbs for family health, wild edibles, fermentation, permaculture, movement, herbal wisdom, the wise woman ways, and more. While immersed in the woods surrounded by women, there will be keynote speakers, singing, dance, drumming, yoga, socializing, and a ton of workshops. Registration closes May 13th. Visit MidwestWomensHerbal.com for all the info and to buy tickets. On June 9th, the 20th annual Philly Dyke March in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. A protest march for dykes and their allies. From their website, quote, too often the LGBT community focuses on male-dominated voices. The Philly Dyke March is our protest in support of the Dyke voice and experience and focuses on the wants, needs, and demands of our community. We march to show that we exist, that we matter, and that we have a voice. We demand and create an affirming Dyke-positive space to celebrate the creativity and determination of who we are, who we love, and the diversity within our community. Rallying begins at 3 p.m. On June 26th, New York, San Francisco, and Seattle will each hold their annual Dyke March. From the San Francisco Dyke March page, quote, Strengthening an international perspective in our communities, the Rally and March advocates justice for all dykes around the world. We advocate on issues against oppression, racism, sexism, homophobia, and poverty. It is one day where dykes can proclaim space, rights, visibility, and respect. Events in July, the National Women's Music Festival, held in Middleton, Wisconsin, from July 5th through July 8th. This annual women's event has been in existence since 1974. The bill is a slew of musical offerings, plus keynote speakers, a marketplace, comedy, a drum chorus, an open mic, and workshops. Wolf Fest in Crescent City, California, from July 11th through July 16th. Radical Feminist Sisterhood, Strategy, and Revolution in the Redwoods. The festival will include presentations on feminist theory, discussions on our movement, past, present, and future, workshops on basic organizing skills, self-defense classes, open mic to share poetry, music, and inspiration, songs around the fire, face painting, art, and storytelling, dancing under the redwoods. Registration for this year's event is closed. Elfest, held in Londidno, Wales, the UK. This festival is in its eighth year. Held on a beachfront farm, this is the UK's only lesbian music, arts, and comedy festival. The event will feature live music performances, poetry, dance, yoga, spoken word, cabarets, a comedy night, and DJs, quote, day and night. The festival celebrates women, but is open to the entire LGBTQ community and straight allies. Check out elfest.co.uk for tickets and information. Girl Splash in Provincetown, Massachusetts, from July 17th through July 21st. Five days of socializing, pool parties, dance parties, local activities, and more in the perpetual Provincetown, Massachusetts. 
Comedians include Suzanne Westenhofer, Vicki Shaw, Roxana Ward, and Jessica Kearson. Check out provincetownforwomen.com for all the details. Beyond Bold and Brave's Black Lesbian Conference 2018 in New York City, held from July 27th through July 29th. A biannual event held at Barnard College in New York. This year's conference is themed Work as Memoir and will feature Cheryl Dunyer as the keynote speaker. The conference will include panels, workshops, discussions, and networking opportunities. Visit beyondboldandbrave.org. Events in August. Michigan Family Reunion held in Grand Rapids, Michigan from August 3rd through August 6th. A women's music festival in the spirit of Michigan Women's Music Festival. This event has a plethora of music artists lined up in addition to workshops, drum circles, and vendors. Check out highlights from last year's event and purchase tickets at michiganfamilyreunion.com. The Women's Red Rock Music Festival in Torrey, Utah, August 10th and 11th. Since 2007, the Women's Red Rock Music Festival has given independent female artists a space to perform in the incredible southern Utah landscape. The nonprofit festival benefits local women through donations and scholarships. Past artists have included Emily Saliers, Holly Neer, Melissa Ferrick, Andrea Gibson, Erin McEwen, Jen Foster, Tashi Reagan, Goddess and She, Eliza Gilkison, Chris Matthews, and so many more. Keep an eye on womensredrockmusicfest.com as they continue to add information to their site. The Savannah Moon Music Celebration in Pepin, Wisconsin, from August 16th through the 19th. A revival of women's music and ancient powers, this festival is another acorn from Mitchfest, held on a 120-acre wildlife sanctuary. The celebration will include musical performances, drum and rhythm workshops, yoga, and nature-centered immersive activities. Get your tickets at savannahmoon.org before July 1st for early bird pricing. Wild Women Fest, held in New Lebanon, New York, from August 22nd through the 26th. An event from the Wild Women Project, now in its fifth year. A soul-shaking mystical retreat, five days and four nights of rituals and ceremony, yoga, circles, experimental workshops, visualization and meditation, music and art, dance, herbalism, connecting to the wild, laughter, discovery, divination, bonfires, howling, dreaming, home-cooked vegetarian meals with desserts for days, all on a beautiful and sacred campground atop a mountain in New Lebanon, New York. See what women are saying and register at wildwomanfest.org. Two for you in Oregon from August 23rd through August 26th. The Orgaya Northwest Women's Fest in Portland, Oregon. Enjoy outdoor camping, chef-made meals, educational and empowering workshops, and intimate performances. Located on sacred women's land outside of Portland, Oregon, this intimate festival offers opportunities for women to connect and celebrate together in a natural setting. Discover yourself and the magic of creating and being a part of women's community. Last year's workshops included meditation, deconstructing race and religion, drumming, singing, and dance circles, self-care, intuition, sex and sensuality, herbalism, radical feminist strategies, and more. Early bird ticketing ends July 1st. Head over to Oregaya.com. Women in the Woods in Detroit, Oregon. Since 1984, this lesbian cultural event brings together women of diverse race, culture, economics, education, and age. The environment is earth-centered, body-positive, nurturing, and healing for mind and spirit. Four days and three nights at Brighton Bush Hot Springs Resort, 60-plus acres secluded in a Central Oregon old-growth forest. Register at womeninthewoods.com. The Ella International Lesbian Festival in Mallorca, Spain, from August 30th through September 6th. Fun in the beautiful Mediterranean sun. This is the festival's sixth year of beach activities, dance parties, local excursions, and more. Keep an eye on ellafestival.com as they continue to post details. 
Black Lesbians United Retreat in Malibu, California, held from August 31st through September 3rd. The Blue Retreat is an opportunity for women of African descent to celebrate, build community, and share good times with women who love women. In the last eight years, over a thousand women have descended upon our private retreat in the hills of Malibu to make magic. This retreat provides plenty of opportunities to socialize, including workshops, games, live performances, African dance and drumming lessons, a singles meet and greet, a black lesbian film fest, a butch femme switch competition, and more. Stay tuned to blacklesbiansunited.org for registration information. That was quite the rundown. Thanks, Jenna. Next up, we'll hear an interview excerpt Thistle did with Chris Kozad, founding member of the Ohio Lesbian Festival, current board president and producer. Chris talks about how OLF has overcome obstacles through the years, the creation of their policies, and then more philosophically about women's community and culture in general, and how it has evolved through time. I've been involved with the festival from the very beginning. I was one of the founders um, and have had numerous roles over the years, uh, from coordinating security to producer. Um, I'm the president of the board of Lesbians Benefiting the Arts, which is the nonprofit that is the legal entity that produces the festival. And I am also one of the uh, five members of the production team. We're kind of a flat structure production team uh, that is overseen by the board. We each have our own uh, sort of branches of what we manage with the festival. So I've been uh, very hands-on with the festival right from the beginning. Yeah. What year was it founded? Oh, see, I should look that up. Uh, this is our 29th year. Okay. And we skipped one year because of venue problems, so 30 years ago. Okay. I think was our first festival. Oh, that's awesome. It's been around for that long and that you've been participating in it for that long, wearing different hats yes. the, whole, the whole way and getting a real feel for how the, the festival is organized. How many women are involved over multiple years in the organizing of all? Oh boy, I you know, I'd have to sit and count, but quite a few. There are a, a core, well, the board is nine women, and all of us have been involved for multiple years. Uh, and then we have a festival team or committee uh, that is coordinators for various areas, and that, that can be as many as probably 25 to 30 women, many of them multiple years, some of them knew a few, like maybe did it last year. So that's where we kind of, percolate ideas and, and brainstorm. And of course, the last year and this year, we've got two new venues after bidding, having been at the other venue for 27 years. So that creates its own challenges. And so we're doing a lot of, how do we do this? We know how to make a festival. How do we do it in this location? Uh, so I don't know where we will kind of level out if we'll continue to grow. 16 and 17 were about the same size. Uh, because 17 new venue, uh, people were hesitant. Let's see how this new venue is going to work out. It didn't right. work out for us the way we had hoped. Oh, uh, logistically it didn't work out? It was very difficult from an accessibility standpoint. Very hilly, okay. gravelly. And we knew that that was going to be a challenge. It's a beautiful piece of property. But it just was too much for us. To, you know, because we only had possession of the venue for one week. 
Oh, so we go in on Monday. Prepare. The gates open right. on Thursday. And so we really only had four days of prep time before. Oh, we my gosh. And that we just couldn't. Been. It was just too much. And yeah. We got hammered on accessibility challenges. And, and we should have because we didn't. You know, we didn't. Oh, it was just too hard to. You. you know, we would need that venue for another week ahead of time. And so then you. And then we got to pay for two weeks, right? So that doubles our event no, you, costs. You, you, venues are expensive, so. Right. Absolutely, and so much goes. This is such a labor of love that that you and the other women are are. Right, because we were one hundred percent volunteer. Oh my God, you're one hundred percent. Yeah, we have no staff. No full-time people. That's different than Mishfest, right? Yes, yes. Michigan had full-time staff. Okay. What is your policy or your culture around, or your intention to use Mishfest language, around dealing with conflict and, and criticisms? It's very difficult, uh, but, I, but we are very committed to trying to do the best job that we can. We are really... You know, again, there's a kind of a core group of know, 10 or 15 of us that have been around a really long time, and we have the hard conversations. It's not always easy. We don't always agree, but we are committed to figuring out better ways to address things. Um, you know, and it's come up multiple times over the years over multiple topics, just like any other large event. Uh, and we just do our best. We try to do our due diligence. We try to research. We try to, you know, because we are all volunteer, I, I think one of the things that we probably don't do as well as we could is we're not as quick at it. Uh, because we're having these intense conversations and meetings one-on-one -on -one and in small groups and in large groups and trying to figure out how do we do this better. And we probably could do a better job of communicating that to our audience sooner like saying hey we're we we get it we're talking about it um but we really have over the years tried to answer what people want you know people said we want to camp added camping that changed this festival dramatically you know from a one day bring in your chair and a cooler kind of an event to a whole you know, load in camping, and the and the um, things that have to go with that, like garbage recycling, first aid, security, portalettes. Yeah, uh, you know. Oh, and hours. You're creating a, you're creating a space for a village. Well, and that's exactly when when you know? at last year's venue, we told the 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 fellow that owned the venue because you know they do a lot of like huge large concerts there. And, and I told him the difference was most of their events are a concert where they let people camp. We're building a village. We're building a community. And that's very different. Yeah, it is because you are, there's workshops and programming too, right? Like you go to a yoga class in the morning or something, right? Right, exactly. Okay. I have a question. Are you able to satisfy most of the lesbians most of the time with your language and policies, or do you get protesters every year? Uh, we don't get protesters at the event, but, you know, we, we are a diverse uh, group of women. We are a diverse community, and I don't just mean the festival organizers. I mean our larger community uh, of women who like to go to festivals. So, no, I don't think we... Um, 
I don't think we satisfy everybody. I don't think it's realistic to try to satisfy everybody. We do the best we can. We try to address needs that we think are, you know, like accessibility and things like that. We have, we've done a really good job at trying to be responsive, but we're never going to be pleasing everybody. So there's always going to be people that are, you know, they don't like this, they don't like that, they like this, they don't like that. It's always sure. kind of a back and forth. But, um, but we, you know, we do the best we can, and we've never had protesters at the event. Right, I mean, and that, you know, that's, that's a, I actually want to talk about that a little bit more, because as yeah. you know, there were protesters at Mishfest. Yep. What makes the Ohio Lesbian Festival different than the Michigan Women's Music Festival in that sense, the sense of having protesters? You know, I, I knew you were going to ask that question because it was on the list and I kept thinking about it and trying to see what the, where the differences are. And I, I think more than anything, it's evolution. Because we started as a one-day festival, and, you know, uh, several of us, many of us that have been involved for a long time were Michigan women. We went to Michigan. We worked at Michigan. We know about that dynamic in Michigan. And so we tried, you know, when we were a one-day event, we said, well, let's just be inclusive. Let's include trans women because it doesn't matter. You know, so we made right, a conscious we choice. Best, you know, that's the thing that always struck me about the protests is that there were trans women at Mishfest every year, pretty much, I think. Yep. You know? And so it's like, Wow. But the difference, but the difference is there were trans women there who wanted to be there as women in women's community and learn about women's community and be in women's community as opposed to making a political statement to be there. Some wanted to be there for political reasons to protest, right? Right. And others wanted to be there because they wanted to be included and they wanted to be respectfully in the women's community. Right. But at the festival, we have always been inclusive. Uh, we've had trans women who worked at the festival, who are, there's not a trans woman on the committee at this moment, but we've had some trans women involved in and out over the years. So, but that doesn't mean that there weren't challenges around that because, you know, our community is very divided on this issue sort of oh, in general, and heart. the women who come to Ohio are divided as well. Bless your heart. I understand. It's, it's hard. It, it's some of the it hard is. stuff. So anyway, um, thank you for sharing that about. Yeah, but, you know, we're, we're committed to all women welcome, mm -hmm. always. Uh, and that, you know, that means all women, including trans women, including Republican women, you know, I mean, it's right. all women. We had a, a woman at the festival last year who was a vendor who was a pretty vocal Trump supporter. And we took some heat about that. And, you know. Right. The woman, she wanted to be there. She paid her fees. Right. You know, I mean, of course, a Trump t -shirt. of course, you know, you know, if a woman comes in there, you know, with a gun, actually women don't tend to do that, as we know from male violence statistics. But if she did, she's not welcome there. You know what I'm saying? There's she's welcome there. Her gun is not. Exactly. She's right? welcome, but her gun is not. Now, let's say she refuses to put away her gun. Or she shoots people. Of course yeah. there are limits. We are not the thought police 
but we will not tolerate bad behavior. Right. You know. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. I just have so much respect for you and all of the organizers and just what you have gone through over the years to create this festival and to be a part of women's culture because like you said, you're connected to Michigan intimately that you worked there for, for 30 years. Like your whole life has been dedicated to building women's community and culture and I am humbled and honored to be able to talk to you and um, just knowing how much of yourself and your time and your whole life has been put into that. It's like- That is, for me personally, I, I can't speak for the festival, although I imagine there are other women that feel as I do, but it is that women's culture, women's community that made me the woman I am today. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I've gotten a lot out of it as much as I've given to it. I think very much that, you know, Michigan had a huge impact on my life. Huge. I, I started going there in my 20s. Uh, I'm in my 60s now. Um, and what I learned at Michigan, so I'm a big old butch dyke. I'm an auto mechanic. I played sports before Title IX. I've worked in non-traditional jobs my entire adult life. Uh, you know, so I have been sort of crossing those traditional gender norm kind of rules forever. I played with trucks when I was a kid. Um, but what I learned at Michigan and in women's community is that, that none of that matters. I'm still a woman. And I can be and do and work and wear and say whatever I want and it doesn't make me not a woman. I really learned and internalized there that the problem isn't me, the problem is the system. Yeah. And you know, that's a real basic old school feminist principle. We gotta change the system. Fuck yeah. And we focus on, on changing ourselves yeah. instead of loving ourselves as we are and try to change the system that tries to pound you know, square pegs into round holes, as it were, we've missed a huge opportunity. Is there anything else you'd like to say to our largely lesbian and radical feminist listeners? Yeah, I think women's festivals, women's gatherings, uh, are feminism in action. Um, and so, you know, you can read about feminism, you can talk about feminism, but here's a way where you can come and live in it for a couple of days. Uh, it really is out. It's like a bubble outside of patriarchy for a minute. Now that doesn't mean, you know, I always said this about Michigan too. Um, you know, we spend our entire lives immersed in patriarchy and we have developed as women various coping skills and armors that we use to, to move through the world and so it's not like you just walk in the gates of a women's festival and take that off. It takes some time and some effort to think, oh, I don't need those skills here. I don't need that armor here. And to really open your heart uh, and be in women's community and be in a non-patriarchal place, be in matriarchy for a couple of days. And it's an amazing life-changing thing. So come, come with your best self, come with an open heart and be in community with us. It's an amazing, amazing weekend.
That was Summer Fling by Katie Lang. Our final interview today is with Resin Rebel of Cinema Sisters Film Festival. Laura Petrie, also known as Resin Rebel, has been a feminist, an organizer, and an activist all of her life. She is founder and director of the only all-lesbian film festival in the United States, Cinema Sisters, in Paducah, Kentucky. Laura grew up on a farm in western Kentucky and believes in grassroots organizing. Her latest endeavor, the My Sister's Art Initiative, was conceived to inspire, encourage, and challenge women to create new works of art which will empower and advance positive social change for women and girls. The third annual Cinema Sisters Film Festival is slated for Memorial Day weekend, May 25th through the 27th, 2018. Welcome, Reverend. Hey, thanks, Dissel. It's good to be talking to you. Yeah, you too. So, festival season is upon us, and Cinema Sisters is coming up right here real quick. Less than a month away. Yeah. So, what can women expect if they go to Cinema Sisters this year? Wow, we've added some events this year. Um, First of all, B.D. Watkins, a a lesbian filmmaker out of Las Vegas, will be traveling to Paducah to put on a filmmaking workshop called The Art of the Filmmaker. And with your paid weekend pass for Cinema Sisters, this workshop is free. So if you can come into town on Thursday afternoon, May 24th, into Paducah, Kentucky, you can take part in this hands-on two-day workshop beginning at 4 p.m. on Thursday, May the 24th. And then it'll be on Friday as well. And then the film festival starts Friday evening. And what is the topic of her film again and a little bit more about her? This actually is a filmmaking workshop. Oh, where Yes, women can learn how to make films. And, and you don't have to have any experience or any equipment. Um, you can simply use iPhones these days, you know, cell phones these days take pretty good video. So she's going to, it's going to be group, group oriented and, uh, it's hands on. So you'll be actually making a film during the weekend, during that, (laughs) yep, it's going to be great. How fun. Yeah, you know, it seems to be a long held lesbian tradition to teach each other these things like car mechanics and technology and, you know, like carpentry and things like that um, in groups of women because those traditionally are are activities and professions that women have really been shut out of. And so it's really neat to hear about that hands-on workshop at Cinema Sisters. You're not just showing films. You're helping women to make their own films. I mean, that's such an empowering concept. Can you talk a little bit about the philosophy behind Cinema Sisters Film Festival and lesbian visibility? Yes, absolutely. Uh, Cinema Sisters Film Festival was an idea I had after the last Michigan Women's Music Festival in August of 2015. They asked us to go out and sprout our acorns, you know, make women's community and women's space where we live. So I, that's what I've done here in Paducah, Kentucky, is start a film festival for lesbian filmmakers. Um, this has grown into more of a lesbian cultural event with many things happening, such as the filmmaker workshop. One of our mission, part of our mission statement is to uplift the voices and visions of women. And in 
not just in showing lesbian-produced films throughout the weekend, but also now in learning how to make your own and uplift your own voice and put it out there in film festivals. There's so many platforms these days, uh, Vimeo, you know, YouTube, they can get their message out. Lesbians have been an underrepresented, acutely underrepresented population in the film industry for forever, and we're just trying to help change that. Yeah. Yeah. So the lesbian voices, you know, need to be heard, and not just by other lesbians, but by the entire world. That's absolutely the the. I mean, why do you believe that lesbian voices are important for the world to hear, and lesbian visibility is important? Well, because I believe in women's culture. I've lived in it, you know, and for weeks at a time in Michigan and other places um, where women just have a sensibility about them for creating peace and harmony and coming up with ecologically important solutions to problems as well as personal. You know, it, we just I just love women's culture. And uh, I believe that it's time that we fight the patriarchy on this and, and be heard. Yeah. And really, outside of women's culture, everything is kind of default male culture, right? You know, like... Absolutely. It, it's like, for example, you can have a whole team of nurses, and let's say they're primarily women, and then you have the boss above them that's a man, and that totally then becomes male space and male culture, even exactly. though it's pr primarily women that are there and participating in it. Now, the women's culture that you're talking about, it's like that uh, paradigm can go even beyond to help the entire world to get away from male domination and male supremacy and into a place of appreciating, loving, and respecting women as full citizens that have a voice and can help shape society. And we need to shape society. Society, as we all know, during this administration, is pretty messed up right now in a lot of ways. And just hearing women's solutions and women's caring hearts and their and brilliance will help change that. And that's our mission here is to help get the women's vision and voice uplifted to the populace. Right, because anybody can go to the Cinema Sisters Lesbian Film Festival. It's just that your films are all made by lesbians. Correct. That's the criteria. So um, mostly women show up for this, of course. You know, it is a very heavily dominated uh, women's um, patronship to this festival, but anyone can buy a ticket. Correct. Mm hmm. And from what you're saying, you hope that they do because we can all benefit, whether we're lesbians or not, whether we're male or female, from women's culture and lesbian culture. Yes, ma'am. Yeah. Is there anything else you'd like to say about your your festival to our largely lesbian and radical feminist listeners? Well, um, it is, it's 
this year it's four days because of the filmmaking workshop starting on Thursday. But it's a great weekend in Kentucky to come. It's beautiful here during that time of the year, May 25th, 6th, and 7th. The films will be shown. We're going to have some awesome spoken word this year on Saturday at 1 o'clock in downtown Paducah. We have E. Nina J. as our headliner. She is out of Chicago and is an amazing poet and spoken word artist. You, you can't miss her. She's something else. We also have Angel Peace and Kim Blue coming in for that event. And Saturday night, we're going to have the band, an all-women's band out of Florida called Weep, W-E-E-P. They're, they're fantastic. A jam band. It's going to be a good dance that evening. We have Quilted Prayer Flag Exhibit and a silent auction. Paducah, Kentucky is Quilt City, USA. Many of you may have heard of us for our our annual quilt show and it's been going on for over 30 years. But um, so we're doing quilted prayer flags. If anybody would like to submit one, you're certainly welcome to, and we will auction that off to help support the festival. On San- Sunday, we have something new this year. We're going to do a Sunday brunch at the Hotel Metropolitan, which is the Paducah's African-American Museum and Hotel with a rich history of over 100 years. You don't want to miss that either. And you can sign up for the brunch on our website, www.cinemasisters.com. Sisters is spelled with a Y. That's Y-S-T-E-R-S. We have a feminist art show this year. It's eight weeks. It's going to be in a downtown location for just feminist art, and I'm so proud of that. That's spun off of this um, Cinema Sisters Film Festival. We also have the Filmmaker Q&A on Sunday at 1 o'clock in downtown. Um, Our filmmakers that are able to come to the festival this year will be given a, you know, taking a Q&A session so you can go and meet these brave women and ask questions about their films and their motivations and their trials and tribulations. Yeah, and I want to emphasize just how lovely the town of Paducah is. It's charming. And also that you and Bianca do such a good job of setting out the, the food spreads. I, I, I think you have these particular caterers that create these amazing spreads. You're going to do that again this year too, right? We do. We have some of the best caterers anywhere right here in Paducah, and they do put on quite a spread. We have our Friday night opening reception, and uh, there'll be food at that event. On Saturday night, we'll have a food spread as well and a Sunday brunch. We're just very blessed to have some really wonderful people to work with here in Paducah. And I spent yesterday downtown walking around the shops and all the artists out on the street and the carriage rides. It's just it's just beautiful here. And I, I can't wait to share our city with our sisterhood. We are also going to have Heather May perform. Heather played last year at our event, and uh, she'll be back this year. And the film lineup is going to be announced this coming week. So they're they're in the jury process right now. We have seven judges who are scoring all the films. And uh, so we'll be announcing that film lineup right away. If anyone would like to help support the festival, the Cinema Sisters Film Festival, 
we would love to talk to you, and you can find out how to reach me on the website, cinemasisters.com, spelled with a Y. But we do need some support and uh, would love to make it mutually beneficial where we are advertising lesbian and women-centered uh, businesses. Oh, great. So can women buy ads in the program, yeah. stuff like that? Yeah, sure. Well, thank you, and enjoy the rest of your day, and I will see you down the trail. You are listening to WLRN. Brought to you by the totally excellent radical feminists at Women's, Women's Liberation, Liberation Radio, Radio, Radio News. News. Birds are chirping, and the sunlight is beaming through my tent window. I unzip the front door and poke my head out into the cool air. I hear women's voices and laughter in the distance. The village is awakening. Workshops, conversations, and adventures await me down the trail. I climb out of my sleeping bag, put on my sandals, step out of my tent, and into my camping chair. After about a minute, I get up, noticing the sunlight on the ferns. I put together my camping stove and fill my little pot with water to heat for coffee. After it's brewed, I sit back down in my chair and watch as the sun rises and the sounds and smells of the village of women around me come alive. Ah, Mishfest, my home, away from home that I have come to rely on every year, even if I didn't make it in person. Just knowing that the village, with all of its neighborhoods, was assembling in the ferns and woods of Michigan every August helped me to feel like women are a people and that women's culture was alive and vibrant. Every August, a bright spot shined through life in dreary Area 51. Amazon witches have returned to the flame. It's Saturday morning, August 8th, 1998. My first workshop of the day is at 10 a.m. And it's about connecting breath with magic and shamanistic practice. After that, feeling tingly and alive in my body, I walk across town to get to the belly bowl for my lunch of fresh organic greens and pasta salad before walking back to Kay Hagen's Radical Lesbian Feminist Workshop in Area 1 under a particularly charming large old oak tree. She sits with short gray hair in a pixie cut and a tender-hearted yet mischievous face. 
She's underneath the canopy of the tree with a large circle of women around her. She speaks with passion and humor. I feel at ease and at once excited and at home. She speaks of her feminist study group in Santa Fe. I ask her questions about how she organized it. Afterwards, a woman from Ann Arbor where I currently reside and attend graduate school tells me we can start getting together a feminist study group in our town. We meet every Sunday for the next two years at the feminist bookstore in Ann Arbor after that on a red velvet couch deep in the basement. We are warriors, we are women, and we rise like the tides of the sea in our herstory and moments together in the woods and in basements. There is a feeling of solidarity that is more of a cultural feeling, a social feeling, than a political one amongst women. It's a feeling of healing magic and excitement, of rainstorms and mud wrestling. As a people, we are free. This year, 2018, I am turning 50, just like Kay Hagen was back in 1998 when I first met her at her workshop called Uteropia, Why Not? That was the title. The workshop description in my program reads as follows. Saturday, 1 to 3, Area 1. Without a vision for the future, revolution is only reaction. Experiment with feminist utopian thinking and discover practical tools to guide your daily revolution. Meeting Kay Hagen was a revolution for me at age 29 in August, my birthday month. Meeting and conversing under that tree with her, Charlotte Croson, and others made me who I am today. Those moments were potent sun rays charging the waters of my life to become fertile ground for personal growth and abilities. At that workshop on envisioning our feminist utopias, across from the big oak tree, there was another workshop happening, in the mud. Women were building a cob structure and using little bits of broken glass to decorate a bench. It was complete with a gracefully scooped out wall behind it. The juxtaposition was stunning and a quintessential Mishfest experience of naked women in the mud and philosophers speaking in tongues nearby, meeting the sun's rays as they move downward upon the earth. We used that solar energy to produce gynergy that only happens when you are able to stir it up in a secluded place away from men entirely and in the company of brilliant women. When I got back to my apartment, that first year I went to Mishfest in 1998, there was a dead bat on my pillow that perhaps my cat had put there as a gift. But nonetheless, a bat on my pillow. And I drew my head down in my practice of solitary witchcraft and wrote a long poetic letter to Kay and was most certainly deeply in love with her. All I know now is that I felt a strong feeling for a woman that was familiar and similar to feelings I had for high school friends growing up. And it was definitely a female-to-female -female thing, and always so much more interesting and exciting than any male thing I had experienced, so... 
Kay came to Ann Arbor because it was a place she frequented. Or maybe she wanted to see me? I honestly can't remember, but 20 years ago she came to Ann Arbor and visited our feminist study group. She had inspired us to start under that oak tree at Mishfest. It was so great to see her and to have her come over to my music studio and see my recording equipment and hear me play guitar. Then she left and I kept going to the feminist study group every Sunday for two years after that, but I did not pursue Kay, nor lesbianism. Just staying intellectual and staying safe, I guess. But I do love women. There is no doubt in my mind about that. And so much of the love I feel for women is not sexual, but is about being a people that gathers to enjoy our own kind and company and to create our own society in which we are full citizens. But if there's flirting and romance mixed in there somehow this summer, I'm down. Cheers to all of our WLRN listeners. Hope to see you on the trail at any number of amazing women's gatherings that have sprung up since Mishfest ended. I will be at Cinema Sisters in Paducah and also the National Women's Music Festival in Madison in July. Come say hi. When we talk about woman-only space, we're talking about consciously designated boundaries according to biological sex. We're talking about spaces created and held by women and girls for women and girls. These female spaces are crucial for women and girls to experience so that we can meet and be our authentic selves. The boundaries of female-only space protect us from the very serious and very pervasive threat of male violence. Men are the leading cause of death for women worldwide. But woman-only space is not simply a female refuge. It's a place where women stand tall, where we can sing and weep without shame, where we don't have to be our own voyeur. When we talk about creating female-only space, we're talking about manifesting ourselves as people, complete and without male influence. Woman-only space is something I never knew I needed until I left it. My first experience on women's land was in 2016 at Sister Space in the Delaware Valley. It was amazing to be surrounded by women, just women. There were big women and little women, young women and old women, women who immediately took off their shirts, and women who stuck to the tranquil outskirts of the grounds. There were plenty of discussion groups and workshops on topics like anti-racism and what queer means. Sister Space happened on a public campground that hosts all sorts of gatherings throughout the year. But at this specific event, there was a certain sense of safety and peace. And I saw something I'd never seen before. A space dedicated to indigenous women and women of color. Global majority women. A space where women like me were not welcome. Which was startling at first, but I was able to speak with other women about my racist discomfort and learn to start challenging myself. When women share spaces with other women, something fantastic happens. Our voices are actually heard. 
ideas are shared, relationships form, and before you know it, there's real community. And debate is welcome, because in woman-only space, women can create conversation without fear of male retaliation. I remember one such discussion in which women shared grand disagreements. There was a misunderstanding of terms, as can be expected, with the onslaught of postmodern linguistics. Even though this conflict was loud, involving some terse snapbacks and a little bit of gesture, every woman involved was able to meet each other on at least one page. Every woman involved left that discussion with new knowledge. Not only are we able to talk about what matters to us, but we're also able to voice our disagreements and be taken seriously. You don't see that anymore, especially with the sudden social saturation of transgenderism. Men, male identified or otherwise, promote this idea that there is simply no debate. But in women's spaces, oh buddy, there is. Women do debate, we do discuss, we do conspire. Because without male influence, we can learn to relinquish all the artificial impediments patriarchy imposes on us, like misogyny and racism. I never experienced anything like sister space before in my life. Finally, I could breathe and fill my chest with air, confident that no one was ogling my breasts. I could run and dance with joy. I could freely shake my ass. What I loved most of all about being on women's land was carelessly walking at night. I'll be honest, I was a little bit tipsy. And there were no street lights. We were under heavy cloud cover, so the only sources of light were far off cabin windows and the occasional string of glow sticks. And I was so surprised because I felt no fear. You can't do that in the city and it's ill-advised in the country. There's really no other place on this planet where female people can exist outside at night, a little bit tipsy, without encountering violence from males. You can probably guess my shock and dismay when the festival was ending. I went to the labyrinth on the grounds and walked it twice, trying to cry out all my tears before heading home. Home, that word has a new meaning now. I met so many women and learned so many things, not just skills and stories, but introspective lessons as well, that leaving sister space was like cutting a piece of my heart out. I saw women who didn't fit the patriarchal mold of what men say women should look like, and that made me realize that I didn't have to try to fit that mold any longer. I stopped shaving and plucking my body hair, I stopped slathering my face with carcinogens, and I started standing tall, just like the women I saw. I didn't want to go back to my day job, to the dimly lit city streets, to men's land. It felt like returning to a shell that was simply too small, like putting on a suit of armor that I didn't know I was wearing. It's called re-entry, and it hurts. After eating, sleeping, and living in female-only space, I was flabbergasted by male entitlement, by the way men talked to me and acted around me. I suddenly had a keen sense of males, like I was hyper aware of where they were and which part of my body they were staring at, because their inherent threat was suddenly magnified. But if this is what it felt like to be around male people, I cannot even begin to imagine what it's like for global majority women to be around white people. It's difficult to quantify the value of spaces in which oppressors are not allowed, 
These spaces, like female-only space, are not only priceless, but paramount to survive and nullify oppression. I never got to attend Mitchfest because I found out about it the year after it ended. I understand why that festival is no more. I just wish I could have experienced that kind of community and sisterhood. Even though men have attended in the past, I do plan on getting to Ohio this summer. It's wild times we live in, sister. So just know that I will hold this space for you. up our podcast for this may 2018 thank you resin rebel don smith and chris kozad for being our guest today and for centering women in your lives and work and thank you dear listeners for tuning in to another 100 volunteer powered independent radical feminist radio broadcast this is segment she owl signing off for now if you'd like to get in touch with us you can send us an email to wlrnewscontact at gmail.com Are you interested in joining our team at WLRN? We are looking for more women to conduct interviews, write articles, do editing, transcribing, research, and more. Go to the Volunteer for WLRN tab on our WordPress site and click to find instructions for how to apply. Until next time, this is Natasha. As always, thank you for listening and supporting independent women's media. We always release our handcrafted podcasts the first Thursday of every month. Tune in Thursday, June 7th for our 26th edition on Butch Women. Until then, I'm Thistle Patterson. Support our work by going to our website, wlrnmedia.wordpress.com and clicking the donate button. While you're there, check out our bi-monthly music podcast, extended interviews and awesome merchandise page. This is Maya, signing off. And this is Jenna. Your women's liberation radio news podcast is always produced in love and solidarity. Thanks for listening and supporting women's independent media. For the patriarchal kiss How will we find what needs to be shown And then after that Where is home? Tell me, where is my home? Cause gender hurts